0: How's everybody doing today? Awesome, awesome. It is so nice to be here today and to see all your beautiful smiling faces. And those who are watching and joining us online, whether you are watching right now, today live, or if you're catching it later in the week, we are so excited that you found it and that you are here with us and worshiping with us uh, wherever you are around the world, no matter what day it is. So we're thankful to have you. My name is Alex Hanvey, and I get to be part of the pastoral leadership team here at the Vine Church, and I am thankful that Tyler trusts me with that and allows me to be part of that and that God is is uh, moving in the ways that he has over the last three years here at the Vine and allowed us to be part of so much and allowed us to do so much. And one of the things that I have enjoyed the most, one of the series that I have enjoyed the most is this one that we're kicking off today, the reclaimed series and I don't know how long you've been here necessarily for each and every one of you but or if you're watching online how many of the sermons you've actually seen but we've done this series a few times I think three in the past and last year we did something so the first year Tyler preached through the series and then you know we focused on reclaiming the table your family table, the table that you have during, as we come into the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But reclaiming that as, as a family together and spending that time together. And then last year we did something a little bit different that I think is one of the coolest things that we have done so far. And we focused on the reclaiming of each and every one of us. Because last year we started to wear each Sunday throughout the series, and hopefully we'll be able to do that this year as well, and that's the plan, is to have someone share their story, their testimony of how they have been reclaimed. And that's kind of the underlying goal and the underlying, um, you know, meaning of reclaim this year as we go through this series. And I, I'm thankful and I'm humbled to have the opportunity to kind of kick that off today. And so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for allowing me to share what God's put on my heart and what he has done in my life. Because, and also I do want to, to say, um, <laughs> last night as I was talking to my wife, who is not here today. Because our, our son didn't have a great night's sleep last night. So we didn't either. But um, she had asked me what I was going to talk about. And I told her I was going to share my testimony and share my story. And <laughs> she said, are you going to cry? And I said, well, I wasn't planning on it. I mean, so I know she's at home watching, so if I cry, it's your fault because you put it in my mind to think about that as I share my testimony today. But hopefully not, Uh, although I can get emotional sometimes uh, just talking and even just thinking about what God's done in my life and for others. So if you've been in church for just about any amount of time, you've heard someone share their testimony. You've heard someone's story. It might not be in whole. Maybe it's just a small piece of it. But each week, just about, Tyler shares part of his story and his testimony um, in his message. And a lot of times, we'll use them as people preach or, th- or they talk about something. They'll use them as an illustration of what God's done and how they tie so closely to Scripture. So, it's possible that you've heard someone's testimony and story. And really, what, what distinguishes a testimony and a story is just the fact that it points back to Jesus, You see, a testimony is not just about what I've gone through in my life, but it's about what Jesus has done for me in my life, not just what I've gone through. And so usually when you hear someone's testimony or story, two well, one thing happens is that you automatically think about yours. And then there's two reactions to that. Either one, you're extremely excited, and you're reminded of all that God has done for you in your life and you're motivated, and and you're kind of fired up, and you want to share and tell other people about your story. Or the second happens, and you think that your story's not really worth sharing. You think that it's nothing spectacular, there's not a lot of craziness that you've gone through or that you've experienced, and so you just don't think it compares to someone else. Why would anyone want to listen to it? And if I'm being honest, I've had both of those thoughts at some time or another, as I've heard someone share their testimony. And I believe wholly that the enemy wants us to fill the ladder. The enemy wants us to think that my story is nothing special, and that why would I share it? Because nobody is going to want to hear it. But I believe that God can, and I believe that He will use each and every one of our stories Because it points back to Jesus. Now again, remember, we're not in competition to see when we're sharing our testimonies how jacked up I am more so than this other person. Like, let me tell you, like, they did all these things. Let me tell you all this that I went through that is a little bit more or a little bit harder. Because what happens when we share our testimony and our story and it points back to Jesus is that it highlights how great he is and what he has done in Our life, how far he has brought us, you know. In every story and testimony that gets shared, is worth celebrating because it's a miracle just in itself. Because it highlights someone who was dead being brought to life. And I don't know about you, but I don't see that happening every single day. I don't see dead people just raising to life, but that is what happens every single time we hear someone's story. We get to celebrate Jesus bringing someone from death to life. So no matter where you are in your testimony, in your story, if it points back to Jesus and it is there to highlight what he has done in your life, it's worth sharing with somebody. It's worth telling someone how much he has truly done for you and how far he has brought you. So never be afraid to share your story. Never doubt that your story is truly worth hearing because it doesn't matter how messed up your story is. It doesn't matter how boring you may think your story is. Every story is a miracle because it highlights how great Jesus truly is. And so for me, I remember as far back as I can going to church. We were there on Sunday mornings. We were there on Sunday nights. We were there on Wednesday nights. We were there on special occasions for you know, any, any special event, um, through the holidays, any other time of the year. And so we were always there. So from a very young age, I heard about God, and I heard sermons I heard Bible stories, I heard Bible studies and teachings about Jesus, and I knew that there was a God. I believed there was a God just because of the simple fact that I had heard it all my life, and I believed it to be true. But there's a difference between believing that God exists and actually knowing God on a personal level, and so... I had heard all these stories, all these messages, all these sermons about who Jesus was or who God was and that they cared for me and that they loved me and that Jesus had come to basically sacrifice himself for me. So I I had this little bit of intellectual knowledge, but I had a whole lot of distance because I didn't actually have a relationship with God. I didn't know him as... A heavenly father and it wasn't until I was about 16 years old when things started to change for me and I actually started to realize and understand that God loved me just me for me that Jesus actually came to this world and he lived this perfect sinless life but he was punished on the cross to death for my sins for what I had done but then that he had rose in victory Over both sin and death. You see, I I learned around the age of 16 that God loved me in spite of all my failures. Every flaw that I had, every mistake that I had ever made, God still loved me. You know, and what's crazy is I told you at a young age, like I knew that God, I, I believed that there was a God, and I believed that He was good, that He was kind. That he was carrying, that he actually cared about me, that he knew who I was, but I didn't have that relationship with him. So when I would go through things, I didn't necessarily lean on him. I didn't necessarily run directly to him. And it was around my uh, ninth grade year, or going into my ninth grade year, I think it was the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, that my life changed from going to just living almost an oblivious life, you know, to to what was actually happening, to sin, to death, to, you know, to heaven, to hell, to who Jesus really was, that the enemy was there, that all these things were happening because it just hit me. I remember the I remember the moment. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember sitting on the couch and I know it was summertime because I was reading a book and this is how crazy it was. I was reading a book for school. And so I remember it was, you know, it was one of them summer reading assignments. And so I'm sitting there reading it, and I don't remember what made it happen. I don't remember what came across my mind to necessarily trigger these thoughts. But it hit me like a ton of bricks. Salvation. What is salvation? You see, and I began to think about what that actually truly meant. What does salvation mean? And what does salvation mean to you? Do you know what salvation is? Do you believe that you have salvation? Because I began to think about these things, and keep in mind, I'm about 14 years old at this time. So just imagine the weight that that puts on a 14-year-old's shoulders. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, am I saved? And at the time, I was not. And then you start to question, okay, what do I need to do to get to this point of salvation? Like, how do I get there? How do I achieve salvation? Then you start to question and worry about, well, can I lose my salvation once I earn it? Like, if, I, if I'm saved, do I stay saved, or can I mess up enough to where I'm no longer saved? And then I question, how do I keep it once I do have it? And then the biggest question of all is, would God even forgive me? to the point of where I could have salvation, where I could have hope and security, and where I could be saved. And for the next year and a half, from that age of about 14 till I was 16, I wrestled with these questions, and I kid you not, and this is not an exaggeration, every single day for the next year and a half, two years. And if you can imagine... If you've ever dealt with those questions, if you've ever asked yourself, Hey, what is salvation? Am I saved? Can I lose it? God, will you forgive me? Do you care about me? Do you love me? Can I trust you? What do I need to do? If you've ever wrestled with those questions for even a minute, you know how heavy they are. And imagine carrying that every day for two years. And on the outside, you're doing everything you can to make sure that nobody else knows you even have those thoughts or questions that nothing is wrong internally, that you're not wrestling with these things, that you're not struggling with these things, because you don't want people to think you're weird. You don't want people to think something's wrong with you. You've you know, kind of made yourself known as a Christian, but you're really not a Christian because you don't know Christ on a personal level. You have intellectual knowledge, but you don't have heart knowledge. You don't have a personal relationship And so for the next year and a half to two years, I wrestled with that. And I want you to know that if you're here today and you wrestle with those questions or you wonder about those questions or if you're watching online and you have those doubts, those thoughts, and you just can't find peace in it, you don't have to do it alone. See, I thought I did to an extent where I didn't want people to think differently of me. I didn't want people to think that there was something wrong with me, and I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to wrestle with that by yourself. Because as followers of Christ, as Christians, we should be welcoming, open arms, people who have those thoughts, those doubts, those questions, so that we can bear and shoulder those burdens together, because we don't have to do it alone. And so that was... Definitely one of the hardest seasons and time periods of my life. And honestly, I don't believe I would have made it without the grace of God. Because I don't know how I wrestle with those thoughts every single day, but still made it to the point where one day, one day, God would finally knock on the door of my heart and make it so clear that I couldn't deny it. That I knew who He was, I knew who Jesus was, and I knew where my hope would rest and where my salvation would come from. And so, again, I'm really weird. I don't remember, like, specific dates very well um, about anything, mostly, uh, except I do remember my uh, wedding anniversary, and my wife's birthday, and my son's birthday, as long as I got those three, and my mom's birthday, and occasionally my dad's birthday, and my sister's, both sister's birthday. But anyways, um, so I don't remember the exact date, but I um, I was in first period, I was, again, I, I was right at 16 years old. It was my sophomore year. I was in biology class. And I don't know if you remember, in most science classes, it seemed like anyway, they had the big, sturdy, black top desk where two people could sit side by side. So I was sitting at one of those, and a good friend of mine, his name is Matt, was sitting next to me. And he knew who I was. Uh, I mean, like we had grown up together from the time I can remember playing sports all the way up through high school. And, so I knew him really well. He knew me. He knew that I went to church. And so he invited me to his church that evening during the week because they were having a special play. They were, they were putting on some, some uh, you know, special service. And it wasn't anything like super high production or spectacular. But it was, it was essentially the youth would kind of perform a play. They would do these skits and these scenes. I think they had music, and then they had a a special guest pastor that came in and preached. And so I I talked to him about it, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll go. And again, this is first period, and let's just say it starts at 7 o'clock. Well, you know, I thought about it and wrestled with it all day and tried to decide whether or not I would go or not. Well, it's about probably 30 minutes before it starts. And mind you, we lived about 15 to 20 minutes away from where that church was. So about 30 minutes before, I finally made the decision, okay, yeah, I need to go. But let me tell you why I made the decision. Because I thought if I didn't go, God would be mad at me. And I thought if I didn't go, God would probably punish me because I had this opportunity to just be in church and just to do something that someone invited me to. And so this was the time, again, when I'm 16, so I can't drive after a certain time of day um, by myself. And so I go ask my dad, and I'm like, hey, uh, Matt asked me if I'd come to the service. It starts in like 30 minutes. Would you take me? Would you be willing to go? Thankfully, by the grace of God, he said yes. And so we go, we get in the car, and we get there just in time. So we get in, we sit down, and the service starts. And again, I told you, it wasn't anything spectacular. It was what you think of when you think of, you know, uh, a, a youth ministry putting on a play, they wore the, you know, they wore the robes and they, they acted out Jesus' life. And I mean, it was really short and brief scenes, so it wasn't some long drawn out thing. And then they had the, the music and the pastor preaching. them. you may think that I'm going to tell you that it was there that night when I heard the message by the pastor that that is when God spoke to me and I knew who Jesus was. Yes and no. It was that night, but it wasn't during a message. It wasn't during the music. It was during the simplest presentation I had ever seen of the gospel. It was during the youth. Youth now, youth. This is how important students are. This is how important a youth ministry is, a children's ministry. They were putting on the play and acting out the scenes of Jesus' birth, his life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. And I kid you not, It was during that presentation that everything became so clear that it all made sense to me of who Jesus really was and where my hope would actually rest. And so in that probably 15 minutes total that the the students were doing, in that moment, in that time, is when I knew where my hope and my salvation was. And I kid you not, I remember it like this. It probably didn't happen this way, but I remember it like this. Like, we have these lights that are kind of up in the rafters. And it was almost as though everything else got dark, but right there on the stage where they were speaking and talking through and acting out the life of Jesus, that it just all became so clear and so relevant and so obvious to me that He is my hope and my salvation that it's not about how much I work, it's not about all the things that I have to do, it's not about me not making mistakes or picking the right things that, that um, you know, Jesus wants me to do, but it's trusting in what he did on the cross, that he gave his life for me, for my mistakes, for my sins, that I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do to earn salvation, I just have to humble myself, to repent of what I've done wrong, my sins, my mistakes, and trust in Him. And it was in that moment, in that small period of time, that God made it so clear and evident to me that Jesus lived for me, Jesus died for me, and Jesus gave His life for me, and He rose for me. And so I'm here to tell you today, maybe you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online and you've never believed in Jesus Maybe no one has ever talked to you really about who Jesus is or how salvation happens. And it's not by your works, it's not by your efforts, it's by your faith in Christ, in Him alone. And so I'm here to tell you simply that Jesus lived for you, Jesus died for you, and Jesus rose in victory for you, that you could too have salvation and have a hope like no other. You see, and there's an event recorded in Scripture and in the Bible that I want us to look at um, before we finish up today that I want to talk through briefly that I believe figuratively, and you'll see why I say figuratively in a minute, represents and reflects my life and my story so closely and so well. You know, and I know you're probably sitting there and you're thinking, okay, he's young, he's handsome, it must be King David. It's not King David, okay, all right, but... The guy that I'm talking about is not even named in the Bible. At least not that I've found or noticed. He doesn't have a name. And I think that says a lot about how our testimonies and what our stories should actually do. Because our stories should not be and our testimonies should not be so that you remember the name Alex Hanvey. But it should be so that you remember and you know the name Jesus Christ. And you know the hope that he brings and the salvation that he brings provides. And so where I want us to look, if you have your Bible with you, and we may have scripture on the screen, um, or if you want to follow along on the Bible app, uh, you can go there. But it'll be in Mark chapter 5. So Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking. And so in this, you, you've probably heard this story as well. You probably know this story, and it's the demoniac and so where I want us to pick up is going to be right at verse uh, verse 2, Mark chapter 5, verse 2. And so r- right before this, to give you a little background, Jesus and his disciples just cra- traveled across, I believe it was the Sea of Galilee, and they get to a region called the Gerasenes. And so as soon as they get there, this is what happens in uh, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 2. It says, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came... From the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now I want to stop just for a second and say this is a mirror image of my life from a spiritual standpoint because just like this man came from the tombs where he lived, I too was among the dead because I was not spiritually brought to life through Christ yet. And so before my moment of accepting and putting my faith in Jesus, I was dead. And I was living among the dead just like this man was. And it says that he had been chained hand and foot because other people from the town had put additional burdens on him. A lot of people look at this and that being religion. That's not what religion is supposed to do. And religion in itself, in its purest form, is not a bad thing. But when we put additional burdens and chains on people to try and get them to live the right way, to do the right things, to say the right things, not to hurt other people and to keep themselves safe, sometimes we make their life harder and we make their life worse because they have additional chains on them and we see that this man had that and he broke them all off and they never seemed to fix his problem they never gave him peace or healing and then it says he would cry out in the night and he would cut himself with stones you know I don't know about you but if I'm being honest there have been plenty of times I've cried out myself Because of the pain and the struggles and the difficulties that I had gone through. And if we rolled up our spiritual sleeves, I think maybe we could see some marks on ourselves where we've cut ourselves. Where we've tried to do the things to numb the pain that we feel, but it just doesn't work. And then in verse 6, this happens. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This man had never seen Jesus in his life. He had probably never heard about Jesus in his life, but when he saw him even from a distance, he could not help himself but to run and to fall at his feet before him. And in between this, what happens next is Jesus has this conversation, and he has the conversation with the demons that are attacking this man that are inside this man that have been burdening him for years and years and years with no relief. And basically what happens is Jesus sends them out of the man, sets him free. He sends them into a herd of pigs, and if you're an animal lover, or especially a pig lover, I'm sorry, but the pigs run down the hill, and they go into the lake, and they drown. And the people who are tending to the pigs, they run back to the city where they're from. And keep in mind, I do want to point this out, that this man lived in the tombs which would often be away from the city outside of the city. So he was by himself and so these herders go running off and they tell everybody what just happened and then all of a sudden the people come from the city to where they were. And so the the pigs fail or the pigs run down the bank into the lake and they drown and all these people come back after the herders have told them what was happening. And then we're going to pick up in verse 15 and it says this when they came to Jesus they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid they were afraid because they did not know what was happening they had never heard about Jesus they had no encounter or experience with Jesus in their past And they did not understand how this man that they only knew as crazy, as psychotic, as weird, as strange, as dirty, as filthy. He was probably, if he was not completely naked, he was barely clothed at all. Can you imagine what he would have looked like when he came to Jesus from the tombs? He lived out there by himself. There are no showers. There are no bathrooms. There's nowhere for him to clean himself. He's probably covered in dirt. I just imagine it like he's so covered in dirt, you can barely recognize him. He's got cuts on his arms, so you know he's got dried blood all over his arms, probably on his chest, on his legs, all over his body. He's just filthy. You know he doesn't smell good. You know he does not look good. But guess what? Jesus didn't send him away. Jesus didn't tell him, hey, stay, stay so far back. I'll talk to you, I'll interact with you. No, the man ran to Jesus and fell on his feet. And the people see this. The only version of that man that they know. And now suddenly they see him sitting, dressed, and in his right mind. This man has been reclaimed. This man has been transformed. He is brought from death to life. And that is exactly what happens to us. When we finally come to the place of salvation, when we put our faith in who Jesus Christ is. And it scared those who were there. Remember that. These people, this is something that should be, we're celebrating, and people should be like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. I am so happy for this guy. But they're terrified because they don't understand. And so they're afraid. And then this happens. Verse 18. And by the way, the people plead for Jesus to leave because they're so afraid. And then in verse 18, it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. What do you think Jesus said? You may think, oh, yeah, Jesus was like, Yes, come on, jump in the boat, we got room. Nope. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy Guys, this is what this series is all about. It's about telling your family. It's about telling anyone who will take a few moments to listen what Jesus has done for you. And how he has reclaimed you. And how he has brought you from death to life. And then in verse 20 it says, So the man went away. You See, he wasn't upset. Maybe he was a little disappointed because he really wanted to go with Jesus. But he goes away. He's obedient. He goes back to his town. And it says that he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people, not some of the people, not a few of the people, not just a couple of the people that he talked to, all the people were amazed. You see, when we share our stories, when we tell people what Jesus has done for us, especially for those who knew us before our conversion before our salvation they knew the life that we lived and then they see the difference that, that Jesus has made in us they can't help but be amazed their fear turns to excitement and then hopefully and eventually through us being obedient and sharing our testimony they come to faith in Christ themselves because they know that it's only by the grace of Jesus that this man could be changed that this man could be redeemed and reclaimed because they had tried everything to keep him uh, or, or to make him better and to keep him from themselves. And that's why I am excited to kick off this Reclaim series, and I pray that throughout this time that we will that we would just be obedient to listen to the Lord, to share, whether it's standing up here on a Sunday, whether it's in a phone call, whether it's a one-on-one conversation with someone that we work with, or someone that we go to school with, or someone that we meet at the grocery store if prompted by the Holy Spirit, I just pray that we will be obedient and tell someone, anyone, what Jesus has done in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that you have given me to be able to share what you have done pray, Lord, for you to be glorified through it, because it is only by your grace that I am able to be up here today, that I am able to have a story and a testimony worth sharing. I pray that as people have heard what you have done in my life and how far you brought me, and the struggles that I went through every day for nearly two years, and that you set me free, I pray that they are praising you, that they glorify your name, And that they humble themselves if they don't know you as Lord. That they can come to Christ. That they can say, I believe. Jesus, I need you. Because I know that there are people that will hear this. And they have never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They have never given their life and surrendered to Jesus. And I pray, Lord, right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as they are listening, they will do so. Jesus, please move like only you can. Awaken the sleeping hearts and raise those who are spiritually dead to life through faith in who you are and what you've done. And if that's you, if you've listened to this message and you're like, hey, I don't have a testimony because I don't have any point in time that points back to Jesus in my life. I want that time for you to be now. So if you're listening to this and you want to surrender your life to Jesus and you want to profess him as your hope, as your lord and your savior, your place of salvation, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And what I want you to do is just pray this prayer with me, but I want you to understand it's not this it's not the words of the prayer, it's not some magic thing just because you say it, but it's because you believe that it is true in your heart. And for those who may be coming to Christ For the first time i would like for everyone to repeat this with me as we reaffirm our faith in who christ is and what he has done for us so let's pray lord jesus i am a sinner in need of a savior i repent of my sins i turn from my way to your way i believe you live the perfect life died the death that I deserved. You rose in victory over sin and death. Help me to follow you the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bowed and eyes still closed, if you're in the house or you're watching online and you prayed that for the very first time, and you fully and wholeheartedly surrendered your life to Jesus, and you want to follow him for the rest of your life, I want you to respond when I count to three. If you're in the house, I just want you to raise up your hand. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be hesitant. I don't want you to be nervous. I want you to be excited to know that salvation has come to you today, that there is hope from what you have been wrestling with and what you have been dealing with. And if you're watching online, I want you to know the same thing. And I want you to respond. There may be a hand that is raised on your screen and you can click. Or email us at prayer@thevine.tv. At we would love to talk with you and pray with you and celebrate with you for this, for this moment in your life. So if that is you, I just want you to respond when I count to three. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for everyone who is here, everyone who has watched online. I thank you that you have brought us to this place to be able to worship you today. Lord, I pray that in, this, in these closing moments as we wrap up with the worship, I just pray that we will be obedient, that we will move when you tell us to move, that we will lift our hands if you tell us to lift our hands, that we will lift our voices to you that we will praise you and honor you the way that you deserve.
1: But he brought me in his love.
0: Thank you all so much again for being here. Uh, Thank you for spending your Sunday morning or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day you find this message and you listen. Thank you for spending it with us. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Thank you, God, so much that we get to be here and that you allow us to be able to do this. No matter where we are in this world, no matter the circumstances we find ourselves under, Lord, help us always to be bold in worshiping you. And never afraid to serve you or to surrender to you in what you call us to. Um, One thing I do want to say that if you are here today and you ordered a shirt, this beautiful shirt that I have on today, they are here. They're by the door in the bags with your names on it. Um, So make sure to check that before you leave today. Um, I want to close us out in prayer. But I just want to say again, don't be afraid to share your story. Don't think that your story is not worth sharing because every single story is a miracle of someone who went from death to life through Christ. So share that with somebody today or this week. Just have a conversation and see what God will do with it. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much again for this day. Thank you for the time that we get to spend with you. Thank you for those who come early to set all of this up and put this place together. Thank you for the YMCA allowing us to meet here. Thank you for watching over everyone who came today. And those who could not make it, we miss you. Lord, may you bless them and keep them safe. And just bring us all back together next week as we continue this series, Lord. Do what only you can do. Move in ways that we could not imagine. Bring the broken back to being whole, Lord. Reclaim those who are lost and bring them back to you. Bring them to life through faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts throughout this week and that you draw us all back together again next week. Thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, and everyone have a great and wonderful week. (laughs) Hey, okay, all right, good. Everybody can still hear me. So, um...